This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It's CISO. Hello, welcome to Seagull Social Season 4, Episode 8. Now, look, at the end of the day, it's it's a bad result, isn't it? <laughs> Let's just get that out of the way. It's yeah. not a good one. It's not a pretty one. We're not here because we want to be, okay? But um, luckily, I've been joined very last minute, to be fair. Thank you, boys, for joining me because Maz is currently stranded out in France, um, thanks to the Eurostar queues. If you look on Twitter, you find <laughs> everywhere. It's horrendous. And uh, Ben's working. So instead, we've got our great fillers, but together, actually, for the first time, I think. But we're with Jack yeah, yeah. and Adam. Jack, mate, how are you, how are you doing, despite uh, the result yesterday? Not at the best of uh, weekend. <laughs> um... <laughs> It took it took seven and a half hours to get back yesterday in the car because um, of the road traffic accident on the on the M40 that closed it. For yeah, like four I saw hours. the M40 it was shut. So yeah. uh, that that never seems to happen when you win, does it? So yeah. that wasn't that wasn't ideal. But other than that, I had a good good time in the car. Sunday I was going to go to some women's football today, and I'd overslept, um, but I just went for lunch. So. Nice. All in all, pretty pretty shit all round. <laughs> <laughs> Fair, mate. Brutally honest. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, mate? Yeah, mate. Good, good. Uh, I, I was actually going back up to Manchester. It was a very simple journey, not to sound too smug. So uh, <laughs> I was back home by about by about four or five o'clock, which is yeah, lovely. Same here. <laughs> We've come back to um, I've come back to the Midlands, so it's only taken me an hour and a half. But um, yeah, right, sorry, Jack, for mentioning that. <laughs> It doesn't Fine. really make the result any better, does it? You know, so at the end of the day, we've got to talk about that, I suppose. But yes, it's it's not a good day at the office, is it? In fact, it's the worst day at the office in a long time, I think. I think it's the first mm. time we've lost by six goals since 2012, if I'm right in saying, against you West Ham. You are correct, yeah. Um, which I remember specifically because I didn't go to the game. I was actually in Hove Tesco's. And I think by the time mm-hmm. it took me to go from there back to my dad's car... Uh, I think we were three 0 down, so that was that was mad, and that, that pretty much gave me vibes of this one, really. And Jack, yeah. get me started, mate. What, what went wrong yesterday? But more oh. to the point, it was just abysmal first half, really, wasn't it? What, what went right? Um, <laughs> yeah, what if? Yeah, it, it was a little bit of a shocking result. I will say now, and this is probably Villa are a very, very, very good side. I very do think 
in terms of the game, and I know this is going to sound probably slightly, I do think the six one was probably a harsher scoreline than it should have been. I don't, I don't think. It's, um, I think there were some big defensive errors in that last ten, but yeah, I think it, we, you know, Villa Park's not an easy place to go, um, especially for us. I don't think we've ever had a, we've never I'm won there. Never going back. Um, <laughs> Except in lockdown, and that doesn't really count, does it? Um, so, but you know, they've won ten on the bounce. It's a hard place to go. They've won ten on yeah. the bounce at, at Villa Park. Um, I think the first half it just sort of unravelled slowly, um, and then that was just the beginning of the end. Really, I think we we just lacked everything. I think it looked a tired team. Some of our best yeah. performance performers look particularly leggy. Um, mm. Purvis being the main one. And obviously he's been great for us, but in the in that first, I remember the first goal when it went in because the cross came in right in front of us. I was like, yeah, Matoma didn't track him very well. I'm sure he'll admit that, but he he's the winger, and I was like, where is Purvis in this situation? Where is he, Purvis? That yeah, was the he's, he question was, of the first 45 minutes. To and he was just gone. And the cross, as much as Matoma should have done better with the cross, mm. Purvis is the left back who should be tracking the winger there. So. That just kind of summed it up, really. And then it just sort of unravelled from there, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. Adam, I mean, Ollie Watkins adds to the name of Dan- Dania Ings and yeah. God knows who else, Callum Wilson. We've got some serious enemies now. And, yeah. and they always seem to be scoring against us. Now he's got a hat trick. It's the fourth time Ollie Watkins has scored against us in a row. Um, and as soon as he scored that first one, it was just, you just knew it was going to happen again, didn't you? Mm-hmm, completely. I've got a mate who's an Exeter City fan, one of my best mates, and he obviously Watkins used to play for Exeter. He loves Watkins, and every year I feel like he messages me going like Watkins again. Watkins has done it because he he's one of those players who just seems to do it against Brighton. Yeah. I think yeah, I, I like what Jack said. I think it's just I don't think it was necessarily a six-one defeat in the way that Brighton played. I think it's just tricky when you go three goals down in the first half. It's so hard for it to unravel, and and we were all saying at half again. The first goal off half time, that will really set the tone. We get it. And then you actually think, mm, they're playing all right for that first 15 mm-hmm. minutes after half time. And then that Villa goal just kind of takes the complete sting out of it. I mean, I don't know. I think, I, I, I think personally, I was turning to my dad and he was turning to me throughout that first half going like, they were just getting so many bodies forward. Those, the overload in that midfield, they just seemed to be bullying kind of Hinshelwood and, and Gilmore. And I'm, I'm not, I think Hinshelwood played pretty well and I'm delighted that he made his debut. But to play those two in the midfield at Villa Park, I think it's. I think it was yeah. lightweight. And I think it was actually really naive. Um, and yeah. I just think, I don't know, uh, I think old Brighton maybe would have managed that game a little bit better. I think we're a little bit more open now. Um, yeah. I was actually, I'm glad you mentioned that actually because that's the point I was going to move on to was Hinshelwood obviously started, fantastic moment for him. You know, I actually thought... On a large basis of it, he wasn't too bad. I think the only trouble was, as you say, the word there, lightweight. I think that that was the biggest problem. As soon as you look at that squad on paper and then you look at that midfield for Villa, you just thought, that's a mismatch physically. And I don't know about you, Jack, but I know we've got Carlos Beleba. He's going to need time. He can't just come in and, and, and start and be the new Caicedo as people thought he could be because that's not how football works, as we know. It begs the question over maybe should we have signed another midfielder? But more to the point, are we just going to have to suffer with this for the next two or three months until Belaber's ready or until we go in January and find someone else? Or, you know, is there a way around it? Um, intro, a lot of, lot of talking points there. Um, I think Belaber looked particularly leggy on Wednesday. I think he pulled up with cramp about uh, halfway through the game and got 
got subbed off, so you can see why he didn't want to risk him again. I do think some of our problems may have come from, and I know this sounds a bit strange, but going maybe too strong on Wednesday. I don't think, I think a lot of people were obviously disappointed we were at the Carabao Cup, but to give players like Purvis 90 minutes in that game. Um, but midfield, going back to the midfield mainly, um, I think, yeah, maybe we could have signed another ready-made replacement, but I, I think we're all saying that like it was quite easy. Yeah. Um, with with Belaber coming in, I don't think there were many other options out there for that position, really, that hadn't either already been taken or, with no disrespect to us as a club, were destined to much higher things than Brighton. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've gone with a lightweight midfield, but I don't think the midfield is particularly stronger than it has been, let's say, with Gross in midfield. Um, Gross may be the more experienced player, but I wouldn't say it's like a, a stronger midfield physically. Um, yeah, it's a strange one. I think, because I was thinking back to the Man United game, you think the midfield in that game wasn't, you wouldn't say was particularly more physical, but wasn't overrun like that at all. And that's no. with Casemiro, who's arguably one of the best at the job and sort of dominating midfield. So I do think we just got, we, we got done very badly on the counter at times. Um, I think there was not, and I, I hate singling out single players, but I I don't know whether it's something to do with the way that Webster plays, but when we get countered more with Jean-Paul Van Heck, we seem to be a lot more secure at trying to get back. Maybe he's a bit quicker. And I think Webster does have the tendency to go forward Without really thinking what's behind him, this is um, this is a yeah. good point. I, I mean, I didn't want to put this on Webster because I actually yeah. I heard a lot of it around me, and it did really annoy me because I didn't think he was bad. I got I heard a lot of it, particularly with that Watkins, <laughs> the fourth goal, because I thought that that goal was yes, it killed the game, but also everyone just thought it was an easy thing at Webster because it came off yeah. him, but. It, it really wasn't his fault. The, the fact it got to that position in the first place was just a massive gap in midfield. And yeah. you've just got Watkins at, he, on, on that day. Any deflection's going to go in for him, wasn't it? And I think mm. it, it just so happened to be Webster. And it, it's a bit like with Harry Maguire at United, isn't it? It just seems to be whenever something unlucky happens, it has to be off Webster. But I do think you're right. Maybe an element of physicality, dominance. Yeah. There's no real sort of you know, dominator there, is there really, that's going to break up the play. It's easy to say this, though, after a 6-1 loss. When, you know, we, we are sitting third on the table. It's very, very easy yeah. to get lost in a, in a pool of negativity. But at the same time, when you look at the sort of unbiased glasses, I think if you look back onto Luton first game, we were getting a lot of counter-attacks against us. And we, I think yeah. we said it on the podcast at the time, if we were against a half-decent side, it could have actually punished us that game. We had it a couple of times after, maybe then we sorted it out. I don't know. I, I still think it's a worry going into January time now with Europe, Adam. I think you've got Marseille up next. Obviously, I'm not going to just move on to a Marseille podcast, but what do you think the answer is in that midfield there? To be honest, I don't know, but I, I agree completely with both of your points. Just going back to Jack's point about Man United, I guess the one thing I'd say with that is I think their midfield, yes, they're maybe Casemiro, but you did have like Ericsson and Fernandez in there, you know, maybe not too kind of not too, maybe kind of glamorous players that, you know, you wouldn't expect to kind of put a massive shift in. But I, I thought it was interesting that when I got back, um, my dad sent me a little clip of the BT Sport, TNT Sports coverage, and it was Joe Cole talking to John McGinn, basically saying, you know, four of the six goals came from transitions in midfield and overloads in midfield. And then John McGinn replies going, yeah, I mean, that was something we really targeted. We saw them against West Ham and noticed how 
if you really get into the midfield and kind of burst with numbers, that's a, that's a kind of a way to get against them. And he was being very complimentary about Brighton, but it seemed as though they'd obviously spotted that weakness. And we saw it against West Ham. We spoke about it kind of after that game. That was a lot of the chat after that game. Um, so I think it maybe looks like there's a little bit of a recurring problem there. And I don't think we... I don't I really don't want to sound critical because I'm not at all, but like we weren't massively impressive against Bournemouth either, I didn't think, mm. particularly in that first half. Um, so I think that there is a problem there. How do you fix that? I mean, is it as simple as going out and getting someone? Probably not for Brighton. I mean, you kind of know that's not how they do things. Also, it's interesting with the Belabor thing. They kind of bought him after having sold Caicedo, which rarely they kind of don't tend to do. Often, you know, you already have someone ready to go. So, I don't know. I think it's a difficult situation. I think once Belabor's settled in and we have maybe Gross back, I think, yeah, I don't know. I think there could be options kind of right in front of us. The Caicedo um, sale scared me across a lot of S's. The Caicedo sale scared me (laughs) in the sense of, yes, you're right, it's not very Brighton in the way we reacted. I must admit, I thought we've had, what, three, four months knowing that he's probably going to go. And I thought we will have a replacement ready and it's going to be as simple as that. Probably two or three days later, we'd probably bring him in. He'd have been unknown and we'd have come in. and Happened to be Carlos Belaber, took a little bit longer than we wanted it to. And it was a little bit unbrighton like if you would um but i think yeah i do agree with you in that even if it was a case of just finding someone ready now it doesn't even have to be of the quality of kaiser doesn't have to be but someone to just be able to put a challenge in because i think that's going to be the biggest test especially going into these european games got marseille got ajax both in turmoil but don't mean anything to us because if we get rattled as you say it's quite an easy target if you if they know how Mm -hmm. um but yeah i do hope i do hope that we do sort something out there because, you know, it's a double-edged sword in Deserby's thing because you can either say one way, Deserby needs to change it, or you say the other way and you feel for Deserby because he can't play his game in the same way he did last season because he does he lost his two cores of his team, you know? So it's, I don't know how you, how you go about that. You've lost two of your best players. Obviously, we're not as good as we were when we had them and it's going to take time because these two players are now... Bossing it, I don't. I wouldn't say Kaiser is bossing it, but I think he probably will be a good player. But I think our best players at the moment, our best midfielders at the moment, play for Tottenham, Chelsea, and Liverpool, mm-hmm. and I think that's the worry for me. But we'll see, and you see what they're doing now. But I, I won't just dig into midfield unless Jack, you got something else to mention there. Yeah, no, I was just going to say that maybe he got a lot of a lot of the suggestion of him as a player got a lot of hatred. But maybe in the transfer window, he could have looked at maybe bringing in a. It's very hard to sell. I was I was thinking mainly like just solely a numbers thing because I do think there was a, there was a phase where we do just we did just need a certain amount of number of players in. It doesn't matter whether they're top quality. I think Lakonga was a name that was thrown around, yeah. and I don't think he would have been the worst player to have in this situation. No, to I do come agree in now with the agree. rotation. I, I mean, he got there was people were you know prophesizing the end time, and I think it wasn't helpful that there's our report that we've given up on Belaber and we're going for Lakonga now. But to bring both of those in may have just been a it be, mean a number thing. I do. And once again, it's not it's not a player that I don't would think would be amazing, but I just think we lack the numbers in the squad. Alzate wouldn't have been a bad option to have yeah, as well. Yeah, this is why. But what then it's, to yeah, it's 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 such a hard sell to sell players. You're going to sit on the bench for most of the time, and it's hard to say to players like Alzate wants to be playing game. He had a very good season in the Belgian league for their levels. So he's not going to want to sit around at Brighton and go like, oh yeah, you can stay here for the first half of the season, but we're not going to play you in most of the games. Um, 
I would I would guess maybe he had the option or he was told, yeah, we'll have more games. But he wants to be playing first-team football, so you can't sell that to him. And then we do have to look to options elsewhere in the squad, like Jack Hinchwood, who's the younger one. I do think there is maybe a little bit of a problem, especially in the under-21s and what we've got coming through, that we don't really have that many good DMs coming through. I don't yeah. know whether that's a us problem. It's a rare what? breed, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's hard to find that. I think Rodri... Rodri's yeah. obviously probably the best in the league at the moment, I think, mm. in the being the all-round holding mid. And I, I think yeah. that to be of that nature, we've just been very blessed over the recent years that we've yeah, had already. We've had Basuma, we've had Caicedo. And then sort of we lost both of them. I think McAllister was good enough in DM as well. Mm. And then and now we're, now we're a bit light. And I think it's a bit of a wake-up call, perhaps, to Tony Bloom, to Ico, mm. because it's a bit like, hang on a minute, we can't just bounce back in Brighton fashion without someone that can do that I yeah. think Belaba will be okay I'm, I'm sure yeah. he will be but it's that two months period now of you don't want to get knocked out of any more competitions whether that be Europa League after we're already out of the Carabao Cup say and you don't want to you don't want to be giving yourselves a bad run in before Christmas because that's not good um, especially with the teams we've got to play now obviously we've got Marseille we've got Liverpool we've got Man City to play we've obviously got before Christmas we've got the likes of Crystal Palace etc Chelsea coming up in December so uh, it's a tough period for us to not have someone ready to play in midfield if you've got the likes of obviously John McGinn outing our problems like he is. <laughs> it's, it's not hard to see anywhere if you watch the game. Um, but we'll see. I don't want to just be completely negative, but I yeah. think it is a, it's a genuine talking point here. It's not can, like can I, something, you know. Can I ask you boys, I'll be quite intrigued to know what you both think on this. Just the, the, the amount of changes that we're making this early in the season, mm. obviously only a handful of games in. I get we've obviously had the Carabao Cup and we've had Europa League, mm. but... You know, we're talking six changes, eight changes, nine changes. You know, it seems to be moving around a lot early doors and it, we're not even really in the thrust of things quite yet. No. I mean, do, do you think maybe having a bit more of a settled side could maybe help that? Um, I, th- I think I agree that, there, that a lot of changes are having problems, but it doesn't seem to be... The only thing I'd change is maybe make it more consistent teams. So make like a... And again, I'm not a football manager, so I probably don't know what's best. But I think what I see the the problem as being is that we don't have a settled side almost for... We don't have settled combos. I think you can see yesterday why we need to make changes. Like Purvis was just completely unfit. And, you know, not, not, to, uh, not to give him too much... Too much... Uh, abuse for his uh his performance but he was he was unfair and that's why you need to look at it that we do need the changes so the changes need to be made but do the changes need to be more of like a set balance i know that sounds a bit strange so having like a centre-back pairing for the league centre-back pairing for the cup you know it, it does seem strange to me that you know with webster and uh igor and van heck why they're being we're, we're almost testing every single combo possible yeah it would be good to have two settled combos. You know, even at the AK game, I went, I went, I probably would have preferred Webster to play in that because I just think he's more settled, he's more experienced mm. um, than maybe Igor and Van Heck to get together. So, yeah, I do think the changes are necessary and we can see that, especially with the type of football we play because it's high pressure, high energy. You're not going to be able to maintain that three times a week. But it's interesting you say that we haven't quite got into the thrust of it yet. But I think this period now, looking at how the games have gone, may be our most difficult period. Um, in yeah. that we're we're out of the cup now, so that me I think this is not to go back to Wednesday night, but going out of the cup means we have three midweeks now, 
And if we didn't, we'd have no free midweeks except for internationals until the until Christmas. So it's good that we have these free midweeks in between now. Um, but but yeah, I think I think the changes are necessary. But I'd like to see them maybe a bit more, bit more as like a block. Like bring this team in, bring it out. We're doing it with up front, which I don't understand. Like we're mm. we're, we're we're playing Welbeck and Ferguson or Fatty and Pedro. But we're not doing it at the back, so I can agree with you that. to a degree. I think I think Maz mentioned this actually in the Seagull social chat. It was meant to be on today, obviously, but mm-hmm. he said that about he wants there to be more consistency with the lineups. And I I said I agree with you, but also think about the players. I, I the way I look at it is I'm trying to be think of how Deserby would think and then think of how I would think as a fan. The way I look at it is mm-hmm. I can absolutely see why we can't just play all these players because they all are very young. None of them have ever played really in Europe apart from a couple. So we're, we're instantly thin. And then it comes down to our experienced players are pretty injury prone. So we can't just keep them in. Even Evan Ferguson's pretty injury prone. So you can't play him every week as well. So instantly you've got a problem because the only way we can attract these bigger names, if you will, is if they're either injury prone or if they've had a big injury and need to re- rebuild. So that's the nature of what happened, the size of the club we're at. So yes, we have to rotate. You know, we played on Wednesday night. I don't know what happened Wednesday night. As you say, it was a, it was a weird one because they, I didn't think Chelsea were good at all. Um, apart from they got a little bit into it second half, but I thought we were better than them. Lost the game. Frustrating, bright and typical, right? Usually we would bounce back, but then I think, yeah, the nine changes was a shock. Um, I think maybe if you got six, potentially, like I could see that. But um, I do think that I do think the two one uh, number ones actually does work, which might sound controversial. As much as I thought Steele had a bit of a howl yesterday in terms of how many shots he conceded, I do think that it works. But anyway, it's, we could speculate that all day. Because yeah. At the end of the day, we're not Roberto De Zerbi. I don't know what he thinks. Yeah. And half the time, I'll never understand it because he'll be winning <laughs> games. It's a very odd exception. But yeah, we have now conceded what I think seven games now since April, where we've conceded three goals or more. Naturally, that's a bit of a scare um, and that does need to be looked at one way or another, but we'll see. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, Things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. But I'll move on to the second half, um, where actually I thought we were a lot better, especially that first 15. Obviously, Anzu Fatty does get his first goal, which is obviously good for him. Um, But then it just sort of fizzled out a bit. And as you say, that Watkins goal killed it. But I wouldn't say that we were that bad. Would you, Adam? No, I don't think we were. And I think, I think obviously, like, the one thing I've been saying this last 24 hours is the mid- midfield. But I do also think that there were a few occasions where, like, OK, yeah, we'd lose the ball and they'd get through and that was a bit poor. But we did also get a bit unlucky in the sense that, like, 
an own goal and a massive deflection off Webster and just like steel kind of maybe being blindsided for a goal and stuff. So yeah, I, I don't, don't think, think the ref helped us at all. Exactly. In, 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 you know, and I think they would have won and that's not to blame it solely on the ref, but if VAR had done its job properly and exactly. it had been consistent, arguably we only go in at half time one nil down. Yeah. And I think, I think though on a, on another point, no, I think they would have scored more if they hadn't got I agree. second and third. I do but, agree. The point being, it's it's all about what ifs and and that sort of stuff, and it's frustrating to see that on a day when VARs had a pretty dire day across the board, and it once again has this afternoon in the Brentford game. Um, it's disappointing to see that they just can't put the rules across consistently. You know, yeah. everybody in the ground can see that of the foul on Solly March, except the referee for some reason. And, you know, you can't have a player standing directly in front of a goalkeeper when you take a shot. So I, I don't understand that. And I think that was disappointing because it would have changed things. So Yeah, I actually yeah. agree with you. Um, as, uh, I also agree with the fact, yeah, even if they didn't count, I think we still would have conceded a couple anyway. Um, but yes, it's a different game, isn't it? Naturally, if you don't, if the, if you go in at halftime 1-0, it's completely different. 3-0, it's a punch in the face, really, isn't it? And especially in the way that they came about. And as you say, Adam, it, the, the goals, second half goals were awful. Apart from Jacob Ramsey's goal, it was awful to watch. I mean, some of the goals, I just think, we just don't, we just don't concede a normal goal, do we? It's either a worldie mm. or it's just calamity. Yeah. And I don't know how we've done it. Well. So it this is in the history of being a Brighton fan. This isn't just now. Mm. This isn't just last year. This is forever. We we just concede stupid, stupid goals. I mean, honestly, I don't know about you, Adam, what you think about that, but it's just been, it's been one of them days where you can put it down as Brighton. Yeah, no, completely. It's, it's, it's typical Brighton have Albion. But I think one thing that I think we'll all do is because of the, the, the kind of nature of this season, what we've got to look forward to, for example, this week. Like, I think we just yeah. do need to put this behind us. Like, it's one yeah, of those completely of rogue things. Like, mm. yes, we were poor. Yes, Purvis was tired. Yes, this, that, and the other. Yes, mm. our midfield, maybe there is a problem. But, like, how often will that happen? I mean, hopefully not that often. And, and... <laughs> Don't say <laughs> that. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know what I mean? Like, I think a 6-1, I think we could, we could be guilty of kind of overcomplicating it and sitting here and really trying to make a big thing of it. But after, you know, you go four goals down or three goals down, I think weird stuff starts to happen. Individual it, mistakes happen. Collapse. It felt a bit like the Newcastle game at the end yeah. of last season in that they got two, you know, that was a 2-1 game and they scored some very late goals to make it look slightly more embarrassing. Mm. Um, probably worse this time, but they, you know, in this game, they scored two late goals. Uh, the Jacob Ramsey goal is a great finish. Very flattering um, for them. And then I think... The the I can't remember who scored the final goal. I can't remember Douglas Douglas Louise, wasn't it? Um, that goal no, was just yeah. was it? It was someone, someone. No, um, yeah, but I'm still, pretty sure it was Louise. Yeah, Louise, and you know, still did actually make a very good save from that. And there's just yeah, no one true. there to clear it. So yeah. it that was disappointing. But I I think it like I said, I think we started the podcast saying it, it flattered them a bit, and we were very good in that period just after half time. Um, I think it's just so frustrating. And I remember when that fourth goal went in because it killed the game dead. The, the game was dead at that point. And it was it was one of those goals which is just so... I, I would even say it's a little bit unlucky to have a deflection that heavy. You can't always react to that very well. Um, and it's just so frustrating when we were in the ascendancy, when we were starting to get our rhythm, just to concede one like that, which was a sucker punch, really. Mm. So yeah. disappointing. 
No, I agree with you. I agree with you. And it's funny when you look back on, I say it's funny, it's actually very depressing, but you look back on the expected goals of the game mm. and we are pretty much even. And we were ahead, one. I think. Or were we ahead? I don't yeah, we were ahead. I thought we were like yeah. point te- point 0.1 of one behind, but either yeah. way, whatever it was, it's it's <laughs> it's horrendous viewing, isn't it? When you look back, and mm. it's, as we say, it's an anomaly, and I hope it's an anomaly, and I hope it doesn't <laughs> happen again. Um, although I must admit, I've, I've seen this happen a few times now. Obviously, Everton, Fulham, yeah. uh, Aston Villa, even last season, it's happened a few times, and I think I just hope that this midfield thing doesn't become an issue because otherwise, mm. then it then it you don't know. Then people can blame anybody because you, you'd say the summer transfer window is a bit of a fraud. But I don't know. We'll see. Do, do you guys think at all it's like a stylistic deserve thing? I mean, like. A lot yes, was made when he yeah. came. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot was made. <laughs> a lot was made when he came in. Of like, he's great. Mm. He plays great football. You score loads of goals, but you also concede loads of goals. And like yeah. at the time, whilst you know, looking back on Potty, you know, we definitely improved. We were really, really kind of. We were really such a professional outfit in terms of yeah, you know, being able to kill games. Very, you know, very defensively mm. sound. Um, so that has changed as well. Yeah, mm. I think that. I think you're right on that, but I do think there is an element of this, and I, and. This is going to sound negative, but also slightly positive at the same time. That's great, isn't it? Written around for everyone. But I do think we are overachieving, right? This isn't to dampen expectation, but with the squad that we have, to be, in third, to be in third position, you look at what Villa has spent. That's not to say they've spent more money, but they've, they've brought in some very good, but very, you know, they're not cheap. Diaby, Zanolo, they're good players. We have a small squad. We've known we've had a small squad. That's always been the thing, even under Potter. Um, and we know we ha- we know we're going to have these results. And I think un- unless we spend more and have a really deep squad, we're always going to have these problems. And I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. I don't think we're going to become this mega rich spending club. Mm. Um, and I think we do have to realise that some the way the Zerbi plays is never going to be perfect unless you have, you know, the perfect players to play the system. And so you know, who's let down there, then, Jacker? That that's a point, isn't it? So who's no one's let down. <laughs> is it? Is it? Is it the thing of, you know, because you know his track history, he mm. has walked away from jobs before. Um, I'm not saying that's going to happen. No, but I'm saying, you know, if he doesn't get what he wants, he could walk away in the future. I... Um, I'm saying two, three years time mm. or next year's time, whatever it might be. If he doesn't get the signings he wants, I feel like we did back him to a pretty good degree, especially mm. going forward in yeah. the summer. Um, I probably would argue that we didn't. We we definitely did that midfielder, and I said that at the time, and I do mm. still think it. But so you would say that Bloom's back to, wouldn't you, going yeah. out of that summer and into this? So then I think it's a case of okay, so Deserby's then got to do what he has to do with yeah. what he's got, rather than what he should have had. Do you think? Yeah, I think so. I think that, I, I think nobody's been let down. I think we all know the stature of the club. I'm not saying that. I'm just... I'm just yeah, no, 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 yeah. But yeah, no, no, no. Of course, of course, of course. Um, it's sort of... I don't... I think it's the stature of the club. Everybody knows their role, what they're meant to do. And as much as you say we were a lot more professional and defensively solid under Potter, you know, we still had that period where we lost six games in a row. And I think that's always going to happen with this size of size of club and the position we're in. You know, we, we finished, what, sixth last season and we still had some pretty bad spells at times um, yeah. I'd say pretty bad we were pretty good throughout but you know the games like the Fulham game you know Nottingham Forest game we yeah. probably thought Europe was over at that point so um, a couple or at least had the doubt in our mind so I do Must think it's Forest, Forest had me thinking it's done yeah. <laughs> and I think it's 
I think it's just, it's not so much that nobody's backed each other or Deserby isn't doing good enough with what he's got. I think it's just that we have to maybe slightly dampen the expectations of, I know people are talking about like Champions League and stuff, and that is the reason we probably didn't get Champions League last season. I think probably yeah. our best opportunity to get Champions League was last season because of, but, you know, and we did get screwed over by the referees at multiple times that probably those extra points may have seen us up there. But I do think we need, this is the reason we, we won't get Champions League. We won't move to that very next stage as quickly as some people are expecting. I still think we will in the future, but I think to go from, you know, 10th to 6th to Champions League to potential champions all within that period is going to be very, very difficult. Completely. And there'll always be a setback slightly back down. So, yeah, pretty much. And it, and and, it would, yeah. Sorry, no, 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 no go, ahead, go ahead. All I was going to say is like, and that in, like implies that you're not going to lose players and you're not going to have mm. to remould the team because like yeah. we're we're in a stage again where like we it's easy mm. to tell Brighton can build on last season, but actually like, they they've had a lot of changes and there's lots of mm. you know it's not as simple as that I don't think. Like you say, basically, really. Yeah, no, I do agree with you. I think um, going into the end of the season, I think I don't know because obviously we've got a January transfer window. Things could change. We're not known to spend in January too much, but. I wouldn't put it past us if we do have a bit of a rocky end to the year. You never know. I might, mm. might force someone to take a, a bit of a punt on somebody somewhere. But um, yeah, I think I do think we are in that top five or six bracket of best teams in the league. I think we are still that top bracket. I know that people will just send me the Aston Villa scoreline after saying mm. that. But I, I do I do believe we are still in that top bracket. I don't think that's changed because of an anomaly game. If we go up against Liverpool and get wiped again, and if we go up against City and get smashed, then you can forget what I've said. Um, but I think until that happens, we still beat in Manchester United, we still beat in Newcastle this season. These are teams that are competing with us for that top five spot for, for, for mm. Champions League. So I still think we're in that race. I still think we're, we're good enough to be in that race. But it just comes down to that same point of midfield. Can we cope with counter-attacks? Can Belaber be ready in time? Or can Deserby find a bit of a solution? But until then, yeah, obviously it's, it's a bit worrying. But I won't go over too many same things do, over and over again. I do think there's like, I, I always look at the Premier League as like groups of teams. I know this sounds really strange, but I always no, look at four, four separate leagues. You have like, you've got a quite a clear, and this season it's coming more and more obvious. Yeah. You've got quite a clear like bottom four or five teams who will most likely be in that relegation scrap. Then you've got sort of a middle area where is you're not you're not good enough, you're you're too good to go anywhere near going down, but you're no you're not really good enough to be challenging for Europe. Yeah. And then you've got sort of the top four or five teams who'll be pushing for Champions League. And then I think you've got this weird sort of middle area just below that where teams like us, Villa, Newcastle, Brentford were definitely in it last season. They've not been as good this season. Mm -hmm. uh, Man United have probably slipped into it a little bit. Yeah. Um, where you're you're pushing for the Europa League places, but quite a lot of you would have a very good season, but finish seventh, eighth, maybe even ninth, and not get Europe. And I think you know Villa and us are very similar stages. They've spent more money on their squad, arguably yeah. since last season, to maintain that position. And I think Newcastle sort of fall into it, despite being in Champions League last season. Oh yeah, Newcastle. Yeah. Uh, you know they they are in a different league to us financially. Yeah. Aston Villa are in a yeah. different league to us financially. I think in terms of football in play, I think we're still in that conversation. Mm. I don't think that changes. But yeah. um, while while we're on the subject, it's slightly different. But while we're on the subject of leagues and where people could go, mm. um, I don't know if you saw the news today of uh, Barcelona 
and Sufati, um, saying that they'll be happy to uh, let him go in the summer uh, permanently, and they want him to continue to play well at Brighton to help, you know, hopefully get some attraction towards him. Adam, I'll get your thoughts on that. It could be a bit of rubbish, but it's probably a bit of a somewhere in between. Um, although I must admit, based on early impressions, I wouldn't be surprised if Barca do accept a fee for him. But it's very, very early on to say we'll buy him yet. But um, would you? <laughs> Um, I think, well, a billion pound release clause. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for you to say that. <laughs> and, and I think the, the only thing would be, would be the wages for Brian, because yeah. I think that would just absolutely obliterate their wage structure, which would yeah. make things so much more difficult. I think, I mean, as you say, early impressions, you know, maybe suggest that, you know, he's not been excellent, but it'll be interesting to see kind of throughout the course of the season how, how he proves I think a player like him is clearly, clearly a top, 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 top talent. So why why would you not try and sign if that opportunity came along? And, you know, they tried it with Colwell. You know, they obviously believe that once players are in the building that they'll want to stay and they love the culture and they want to stay in the club. So it really, I guess it ultimately just depends on if he's going to be given a genuine opportunity at Barcelona, then, well, it's completely out the window. But um, I I don't think it's as simple as just saying, like, oh, yeah, we could buy him. Because I think there'd be many, many seasons. And for that salary, it's going to be complicated. Jack, would you you spend 50 million? I I actually think he's been very good. And it's strange. One thing I do find strange is we've given Belaber loads of time to adapt to the Premier League. But we haven't given Mm. Fatty any time. We've brought him straight in when available. So I think he's still in his adapting phase. Um, he looked probably the best I've seen him was yesterday. Um, he seemed to be everything good that we did do in that short period seemed to go through him and Pedro. Did well against um, Bournemouth as well, actually. Yeah, yeah did very well against Bournemouth. Very well against Bournemouth. And I don't think he was dreadful against Chelsea, but he needed to finish his chances. That's what basically brought brought him down. Mate, against to be honest Chelsea. with you, the, the Chelsea game's not even in my yeah, head as a, as a, as a exactly. real game. I don't really if, care about that one at all. It's like a pre-season friendly, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, and... Um, but yeah, I think I I would if the it depends how he goes for the rest of the season. I do agree with Adam though, like the the wage structure thing. I mean, two hundred fifty grand a week, isn't it? Yeah, two hundred and fifty grand a week. Like in in, it's going to be hard to convince him to drop down his wages because he's going to have to, um, mm. to to play here. Um, I I guess it depends what he wants to do, but yeah, I can see him going. I can see him going back to Barcelona. To be honest, I I, yeah. I see that they'll inevitably have an underwhelming season again and Barcelona will sack their manager. I mean, Xavi's doing quite well with them, to be fair. But they'll have some financial problems that mean they can't bring someone in. I mean, Barcelona... Well, to be I fair. mean, like, just, just from a footballing financial footballing perspective, like, if you do any sort of looking into Barcelona as a club, they're just a complete and utter joke financially. Yeah. Like, nobody... Like, you know, despite them getting rid of Ansu Fati for, you know, off the wage bill because they need the money. They still brought in Jao Felix for equally as much money. So where are they leveling things up? You know, there was rumours that before the first game of the season, they had something like three, 11 players registered um, because they needed to clear stuff out the other door. So it's, it's, it wouldn't surprise me that they want to sell him, but you've got to look at what, what they want to get out of that deal. Um, You know, there's nobody, you know, for one of the best clubs in the world, um, historically at bringing through the best player in the world, Lionel Messi. And this was the supposed heir to his shirt. Um, they're just a complete and utter mess. Like, they mm. need to... They, 
I don't think they sell to us. I don't think they move around. They'll probably want an extortionate fee. You know, we had a pretty straight loan agreement where we paid a percentage of his wages. And that still had multiple snags because they wanted more money. And that's why it got announced at a certain amount, or at least reports say. Um, you know, if, if he's doing that, I, I, I see a deal very difficult to do with Barcelona on him. But I, I like him so far. I've liked, I've liked what I've seen. Yeah, no, it's so. interesting points, interesting points. Um, okay, I think we've pretty much covered the game, to be honest. <laughs> I don't I don't want to keep going over the same stuff, talking about the same mistakes and the same stupid mm. stuff. Um, but no, I do appreciate your points, George, today, because yeah. as much as it's been a tough weekend, at the end of the day, we, we've got a lot more games to play this season. We know how good we can be. we just got to hope it is one of them blips and we come back from... As we've done before in the past, the Zerbi came out after the game and said that you didn't see the real Brighton. You'll see the real Brighton again on Thursday. <laughs> we all know what happened last time he said that after the 5-1 Everton. We came back and beat Arsenal 3-0 at the Emirates. But look, we've got a trip to Marseille up next. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure, Jack, you're buzzing to be out there. But um, I'm yeah. you this time. I'm but, very excited. It's... Yeah. it's... Yeah, it's going to be sick. Like, I, I, I think it, it's a little bit of a damner to have this result just before that week because <laughs> this, this is such a huge work, huge week, not just for the football club, but like as a travel, as a, as as fans, as like if you do go away with Brighton, as as many of us do, everybody on the pod does. It's huge to be able to go to Europe to watch us play, and I think. Like you say, we need to move on because I'm looking forward to this week so much. Of you know, I'm getting the train down on Wednesday afternoon, and it's it's going to be a great week. And Marseille looked a bit leaky at the back last night against yeah. Monaco. So yeah, true. Um, I think you it'll be a know. great game. And I think if they do get Gattuso in, him and uh, Deserbi on the yeah. top line could could be a uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Could be an absolute <laughs> exciting encounter to watch. So I think we need to move on, look forward to the week, and kind of. I also do think probably one of the biggest things about this game is I think as much as this was probably one of Deserbi's most baffling decisions, we do need to trust him. We we need yeah, to yeah. trust him because he's given us a reason to. We, yeah, right, not to trust Deserbi. And I think if anyone does it, yeah. they're just crazy I think and I think he's shown what he can do even because you know we lost 5-1 to Everton yet still qualified for Europe that happened and that can happen again we could get you know we could lose 6-1 it'd be very funny if we somehow qualify for the Champions League conceding a goal in every single game Yeah, yeah like and you know from the years of and it, this isn't to slag off Potter, but, you know, we, we wouldn't have even been thinking about Champions League qualification or beating these sort of teams away from home like we do. I wouldn't be having a conversation with you going to Marseille on Thursday night. That's no, me. and I um, think, you know, the way that he gets us playing is still exciting. It's just a little bit absolutely mind-numbing sometimes when you do these 6-1. But we've, we've got to trust him. We've got to trust yeah. him. No, I agree. And Adam, yeah. sign-off notes. I mean, anything you... Want to say going into a bit of a tough period now, but obviously on the back of that, just draw a line under it and we move on, sort of thing. Yeah, completely. I think I think that's what we got to do. As I said earlier, I think one thing that will be so good about about this season is we've just got so many new challenges and new fun things to look forward to. Like the, this, this, this you know, Thursday night, it's going to be insane. I mean, while AEK Athens at the Amex was fantastic, like the first away day, the first like European adventure for Brighton fans, like. I think you'd, on a kind of human level, like how just fun and sick will that be? So, mm. and look, you're gonna have to play Liverpool, you're gonna have to play mm. Man City, you're gonna have to play whoever at whatever point. So, 
who knows? And also, I think, to be honest, Brighton against a team like Man City in a couple of weeks' time or Liverpool at the Amex, like, actually, in a weird way, kind of back us more against teams that play like that. So, <laughs> in terms yeah. of there being, like, a really tough run, yes, there is. And, like, yes, it's going to be gruelling and, yes, it's going to be really challenging. But, like, it's something to really look forward to. And I think Brighton can be any team. So, depending on who on what Brighton turns up on the day, you know, yeah. um, I think it could be a really amazing few weeks as well. Yeah, no, I do agree. I do agree with you. I think... I was going to say, sorry, just quickly you said, I think what makes it so good is we can be any team. And I think one of the problems when we first came up to the Premier League, I think there was this weird sort of part of the fan base who was like, oh, let's get relegated because it's more interesting in the championship. Yeah. <laughs> oh, mate, that, was, that was me under yeah. Potter, I'm not going to lie. And, yeah, was and, it was, <laughs> and it was like, and I know, I know what they meant in that when you watch championship football, anyone can be anyone. And, you know, you could, all, you know, you could see, you know, Leicester could be top and Bristol City could be bottom and Bristol City will still get a result against Leicester. And I do think we are now playing football, which is like, the championship and we are enjoying it yeah, like the championship that's true. again I agree. um and that, that's a great point you made on like on, on that yeah no i actually do agree with you thoroughly because um weirdly i had that conversation earlier and um about the fact of going back to the championship and where we were mm. and sort of thing and we ever, even could end up back there soon you never know right mm. so i'm never gonna say it's an impossible moment because i could be doing it mm. a podcast here in the championship soon but look at leicester um but no i think yeah we do play pretty much we pretty much win every other week, really. And I, I think that if you're doing that, you're, you're going to be up there and also enjoying football for, again. I, and I think, yeah, I, I, you've got to look at the bigger picture, I suppose. And if we, if it is a recurring theme, if we do go and lose in a couple of weeks and you know we, we are struggling in transition still, it's a bit different. But the fact of Belaber coming back through, etc., it gives me a little bit more hope uh, in terms of midfield-wise, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, thank you all for joining me. Um, it's, it's been it's been an educational podcast. I've got to be honest, I've actually weirdly quite enjoyed it, despite the yeah. There's uh, been I haven't even result. haven't made it like any bad jokes or anything. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a good it conversation. Was my, uh, it was one of my more sober games, I think, as well. So, you know, I actually <laughs> I'm not surprised you're probably on. fed up, mate. To be honest, yeah, so. yeah, and I I don't know. I seem to be quite. Uh, analytical of the game when we lose so um... well that's the thing it's quite a good it's actually been quite a good conversation you rarely have yeah. that when you win you don't dig into stuff as much you don't think yeah. so no. it's quite interesting that's it no I do agree with you I do agree with you anyway thank you both for joining me before I go um, comments below um, I'll go I'll go with Adam actually because last time I got oh, Jackson to do it and, and it's been a while since you come on so what do you want people to comment <laughs> oh, honestly Sorry, this, is, this is the bit I dread <laughs> every time I come on here um, is it uh, I'll give it to Jack if you want yeah, go on, Jack. We'll yeah, no, I just say something nonsense. Just say, uh, <laughs> yeah, life's a roller coaster in the comments. Life's a roller coaster. There we are. There you go. Easy, it's, mate. Deserve certainly a roller coaster. It's it's been one hell of a journey so far. But yeah, it's only been a year. I feel like I've aged about five, but it's all been great fun. So yeah, we'll see you uh, shortly before we're at Marseille. We'll, we'll we'll do a preview with Ben and Maz when they're back because I feel a bit bad to leave them out before that one. But um, yeah, safe travels, Jack, on your on your mission to Marseille. And um, until then, we'll see you soon and uh, up the album regardless. Up the album. Yeah. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.